Thank you, Harry. Thank you, Andrea. We're continuing in our series on the gospel life and what it means for us to engage and interact with the gospel throughout all of life. Like Phil was saying, uh, we sometimes think the gospel is the thing that gets us to Jesus and that Jesus uses to, to save us or bring us into wholeness. But in fact, the gospel is Jesus and he is the one who continues to move us through our life, bringing us back to the place that we were supposed to be for all time to be the one that God created us to be, the one that God made us to be, desires for us to be, and in his steadfast love continues to pursue us in that way so that we can be there. Now, last week we talked about a battle that rages, that goes on, that there's this rumbling that happens between two warring factions, Christ and our own hearts, and how we set on the throne of our hearts, and this battle continues to be there, but the gospel breaks in and transforms us and changes us. But I think what tends to happen is we minimize Jesus. We make him teeny tiny in our lives. Now, if you look on the cover of your worship folder today, you'll notice there's a new picture there. And that picture is Christ the Redeemer, as uh, Angus pointed out. I was very nervous as Angus was beginning to talk about it, thinking, now if he did his research last night or night before last after he'd gotten the worship folder and started coming up with all the statistics that I'm going to use in my introduction, then I'm shocked that I have no introduction whatsoever. So thank you, Angus, for not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but here's this statue. It sits over on top of this mountain looking over Rio. Uh, this statue of Jesus is 30 meters tall, which is about 98 feet for those of us who don't understand meters quite well yet. It's about, it sits on an eight meter um, podium, this thing that you kind of walk up. So then that's an additional um, 26 feet. So you're talking about 38 meters high, then on top of a mountain looking out. And then the arms that are outstretched, that's 28 meters from tip of finger to tip of finger. That's a big Jesus. That is a big, that is a, like it's a really, like it's a Jesus that has to have lightning um, rods in it because lightning strikes it. And so, and when it does and it misses the lightning rods, Jesus' fingers fall off. They've had to replace his fingers like three times. Now, what happened with that big Jesus is he's up there and people go and see that big Jesus and they look at it. But, but that big Jesus gets tiring to some people. And so they've had to figure out ways to make people want to come see it more. So they put new like lights on the Jesus and they have now um, electronic things that go on the Jesus that, that show up because Jesus just wasn't enough being big Jesus. He needed all sorts of things. And I think when we begin our relationship with God and we're walking with Jesus, he's big like that. And then we think we need to add things to Jesus. I decide, no, actually the best Jesus I could have is one that I can fit in my pocket or around my neck. Because there he's there and he gives me comfort, but he's not too intrusive. And he's not changing really much of my life. And I can go about doing the things that I want to do. In some sense, that's what's happening in this passage that we're looking at in John 26, 6, 26 through 40. The, these men come up and they're saying to Jesus, look, 
What can we do? How do we do the work of God? Now, what they're really asking is, we don't think God has done enough, so what do we need to do to do God's work? Right? Jesus isn't quite big enough. Or I want a tiny Jesus, because I want to get credit for what I want to do. And he steps in and he says, oh, um, the work of God is this. Catch this. This is amazing, because this is where the vision that we need to have as we enter into this battle. The work of God is this, that you believe in him who he sent. The work of God is this, that you believe in him who God sent. Now, they don't quite like that. And so they say, oh, oh, we know what this means. So now give us a sign so we can believe in you. Tell us something. Because God wants through Moses, and that's who they're really looking to here, gave us bread. And Jesus reminds them. Now, Jesus says, Moses didn't give you the bread. God gave you the bread because it's about what God is doing. This bread, though you want, is bread from heaven. The true bread from heaven that comes down and it gives life to the world. See, Jesus is taking their ideas, their, their very small ideas, the way that they can be involved, and he's expanding it. He's making it larger for them. He's saying, you want bread that will fill you today. I want to give you bread that will give you life eternal. And they say, yes, give us that bread. And then he lets them in on the secret. I'm the big Jesus. <laughs> I'm the bread of life. And whoever comes to me will never hunger. And whoever believes in me will never thirst. And I have said that to you, that you have seen me, but you don't believe yet. So they're continuing to ask those questions. Because if they did believe, then they would know they've received it. That they've gotten all that they will ever need. But they don't believe it. That's the way it is with us often is that we look out and we say, I, I want to do the things that I'm called to do, but I want to do it in my own power. I can't believe that Jesus is that big, that, that the cross is that big. So as we enter into the gospel life, what ends up happening is it first begins this way. We see that we're broken and we see that God is holy. And we see that our sin keeps us away from that and we need some way to enter in. And we find out that Jesus is the way to do that. That he's the one that's made the way possible for us to enter in. And so we say, yes, I believe in Jesus. And we continue to do that and we walk. And as we continue to do that, we begin to see that God is actually holier than what we thought. And that we're a little bit worse than what we thought. And we think, man, I hope Jesus can cover that gap. And he does. And we're like, yes, good. Jesus covers that gap. And then we begin to live into that a little bit and being like, yes, God's holy. I'm not so holy. Not holy at all. <laughs> and God covers the gap through Christ for us. He, he bridges that with his steadfast love. And as we're doing that, we get accustomed to it. And what can happen to us is we can begin to think that we're the ones that are doing it. Like what might happen is we are cut off in traffic. And instead of getting angry like we used to do, we, we don't. And we think, I'm becoming a better person. But the fact is, is, God 
is working through Christ to bridge the gap for us. But every time I think, oh, I'm becoming a better person, I'm doing the work, I'm putting in the effort, then Jesus is getting smaller and smaller. And we're beginning to think, oh, we have the power to do this. Now, what then happens is we discover, oh, I need something because I've recognized this gap again. Because why? Because our hearts have been changed. Because our hearts have been moved from being stone to being flesh. Because we've come to the place of realizing there's this battle going on and that Jesus is the gospel. He's the one that saves. And so we turn our eyes up and we recognize it after we've taken our eyes off our own hearts. And when we do, we recognize Jesus has become smaller for us. And instead of running back to Jesus and saying, you're the bread of life, you're the one, we begin to either pretend or perform. Now, pretending is this. We begin to hide. Pretending is putting on a mask that makes it look like we've got everything all right so that those who are walking with us will think that we're doing the things that we need to do. We're hiding things. We're feeling shame that is creeping in. And so when we encounter other people around us, we make sure that they think we've got this Christian thing figured out. But we never let them know the struggles that we're having, this fear that we have that we're going to be called out and caught in these places in our heart that are so dark that we, be, we don't have Jesus being big enough. And we pretend that we're not sinners. We pretend. And by doing that, we deceive ourselves. Because we need to see our brokenness and see God's holiness to see how big Jesus is. Now, we might pretend, but we also might perform. Now, the men that are in this passage, they were great performers. Performing is that place where we go, oh, <laughs> if I do the things that I know I need to do to be holy, then I'll be holy. If I do the things that I've set up in my mind as tick boxes to accomplish what I need to accomplish to gain God's approval, then I will gain God's approval. They become actors on the stage, not hiding out of shame, but saying, if I fake it long enough, I can make it. And all that does is it makes Jesus smaller. He becomes teeny, tiny Jesus, ineffective Jesus, because it is still the work that I have, that I'm wanting to do, and I'm doing it in a way that really elevates myself over everybody else. Because what happens when we are performing is we think in our hearts and on our minds that the things that we're doing are making us righteous. And then we think everybody else should be performing the same thing I'm performing. And we become judgmental. And we become legalistic. And we become closed. But what Jesus is saying here in the midst of this passage is, no, I am the bread of life. I am the one who has come. I am the one who brings life and wholeness and completeness. I'm the one who is everything. And I should be growing bigger. 
And the call for us is this then, that we begin to rest who we are completely in Christ and in his righteousness. Because in doing that, it gives us the ability to own up to our own sinfulness without trying to be right in the sight of God's holiness. It gives us, when Jesus gets as big as Jesus needs to be and is, the ability to own up to our brokenness and the places that we are not whole so we can, in faith, belief, trust that God has empowered me to be whole. Brennan Manning, in his book, Abba's Child, puts it this way, talking about the cross of Christ growing larger. He says, the cross reveals that Jesus has conquered sin and death and that nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate us from the love of Christ. Neither the imposter nor the Pharisee, those who hide and those who perform, neither the lack of awareness or the lack of passion, that we just don't know about God enough or we don't have enough zeal for God. Neither the negative judgments of others or the debased perception of ourselves. That fear of what people might say about us or the very things that we say about our own hearts. Neither our scandalous past nor our uncertain future. There's nothing, no fear or guilt or shame or self-hatred, not even death can tear you away from the love of God made visible in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so that it's in that place then as Jesus continues to span the gulf that is between God's holiness and my wretchedness. It is there as Jesus gets bigger and bigger that I see the love of God in its steadfastness and in its pursuit to bring me into wholeness and completeness with Jesus, that my identity begins to rest in him so that when the battle comes and I begin to doubt that, Jesus calls out to me and says, I have done it. It is complete. I am the one who in your belief makes you whole. Manning goes on to say this. So confess your sins so that I may reveal myself to you as a lover and a teacher and a friend. That fear may depart and your heart can stir once again with passion. His words are addressed both to those who are filled with a sense of self-importance and those who are crushed by a sense of self-worthlessness. Both are preoccupied with themselves. Both claim godlike status because their full attention is riveted either on their prominence or their insignificance. And in that, they are isolated and alienated in self absorption. See, when we step into the battle and we begin to recognize our brokenness and we think we have to either hide it from God or hide it from others, we hide it from God when we pretend, I mean from others when we pretend, and we hide it from God when we're performing, we think we are. When we do that, that's when Jesus becomes even bigger for us. 
That's when Jesus through Holy Spirit comes and says, no, no, I've, I've defeated the battle. And our eyes must then turn towards him and recognize. Now, how, how many of you, if you have ever been in a place where you've done something wrong, have thought to yourself, it is better for me to admit this than to cover it up? Maybe when you were a child, you, you took something and you thought, I need to tell my parents that I took this it was by accident and let them know. But then you worry, I might get in trouble. And so you hide it. Just me? Okay. That's what happens when we make Jesus small. And it's hard for us to believe that Jesus has done everything we need to do in order to enter in and see God's love for us. So I'm going to steal a closing illustration from another pastor that I think might be helpful for us to understand that really the only work that we need to do, catch this, the only work that we need to do, let me reiterate, the only work we need to do is believe. That believe Jesus is who he says that he is. Alistair Begg is a Scottish pastor who happens to be in the States in Ohio in the church there. And he was preaching on this passage. And he says, it's hard to believe that belief is the thing that... Now, I don't sound like him. I'm, I'm sorry. Because the Scottish is pretty great. That's pretty awesome. He said, I know it's hard to believe that belief is the thing that we're needed, but let's just think through people who's, who have been saved and, and think about... And he goes, let, let's just go... Let, let's just pick somebody. Let's pick... Let's pick the two thieves on the cross with Jesus. And they die with Jesus. And one, before he died, looks at Jesus and recognizes who he is. And Jesus says, today you'll be in paradise with me. Well, he's on the cross dying for crimes that he had committed. And he shows up, and I doubt this is how it really is, but maybe it's this way. He shows up at the pearly gates, and there's the angel that's checking in. And he says, uh, yes, I, I see your name on here, but could, could you tell me why, why you think you should be here? And the guy goes, I, I don't know. I don't, where, where am I? I don't even know where I'm at. And he's like, well, can you, you, can you tell me what you know about Jesus? It's the guy that was next to me on the cross. I, I, that was Jesus. Yeah, that, that guy. Okay, better yet, can you tell me about um, creation? I don't know anything about creation. Oh, can you tell me about the doctrines of justification? Oh, all right. I don't even know what that word is. What are you talking about? Well, um, hmm, this is very, very odd. Very. Can you tell me? Um, uh, seven prophecies that were pointing to Jesus. Uh, no, never really believed in prophecy. Not sure what that was about. Um, I, 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 let, I need to go get my superior. Just hold on a minute. And the superior comes and he says, so what I understand is you, you don't understand the Trinity. You don't understand justification. You, you don't understand what prophecy is on about. You're not quite even sure. You just know that Jesus, and he goes, look, this is the only thing I know. The man in the middle cross, he told me I could come. 
And they said, oh, just to clarify, um, you did really good things when you were living on earth? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, pretty, pretty bad guy, pretty scoundrel, really. Uh, thief, and, you know, I mean, they crucified me. I, I, like, I was... I, I, so what makes you think... Look, all I know is the man in the middle told me I could come. Uh, so, I mean, at least you cared for your parents, right? Like, you loved your parents. No, really, I hated my parents. Well, then why do you think you... The man in the middle... The man on the middle cross told me I could come. See, for us, that's it. <laughs> There's nothing we do. There's no place that we can run. That the work that we're called to do is to believe. And Jesus has to be bigger than our own hearts that is either accusing us are pumping us up. That Jesus becomes bigger because all it is is belief. And he says, we can come. Now, I want to hit this little last part of this passage. Because sometimes we walk this way. Do you do that? You're kind of looking behind you, waiting for something else to happen. You, you walk your, your life of the gospel hoping that something else doesn't take place, that, that, you, that you don't get found out. You perhaps in your own heart are thinking and wrestling with doubt. Is this Jesus really real? Is, is this thing really so? Is this, like, like I'm struggling with this because I, I've wanted to overcome this thing and it keeps coming up in my life. We talked last week about the fact that you might be just focusing on that thing too much and you need to focus on Jesus and let him get bigger. But check out what Jesus says here. This is amazing. This is so good for us. He says this, you'll see it in verse 37. All that the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. What? Not only, not only did the man in the middle invite us to come, but he also makes it impossible for us to be cast out. He says quite clearly, that this is the will of him who sent me, that I should not lose nothing of all that he has given to me. That God in his infinite grace and mercy, when he calls us and transforms us, when his pursuing love does not stop for us, it is that thing that holds us tight. So it's not what you're doing. It's not how often you fail. It's not the way that you perceive yourself. It is Jesus and Jesus alone that holds you. And hold you for eternity, infinitely. That nothing that is given to him will be taken away from him. And so today you might be in a place where you're doubting a little bit of what your heart is and saying, do I really believe this? Or am I really following Jesus the way that I need to be following Jesus? Listen, yes, we have things that we're called to do out of devotion and our love for God. But don't ever think that that's the thing that's going to cause you not to be in Jesus. Because he won't stop pursuing you. He won't stop holding you. He won't stop 
coming for you. And don't ever think that it's you doing everything right that's keeping you there either. Because it's not. It's the work of God in Jesus that says, I will not lose anything that has been given to me. And so, Jesus is bigger than anything and should be our vision above all else. And in that, we rest and give him glory and honor. Let me pray for us. God, you are holy and mighty. We rest in you. We thank you that you are growing bigger for us and that you invite us in to be with you. And you hold us forever in the power of that only you possess. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.